0: the uh, the remainder of the book next year uh, after Easter, in all likelihood. Before we consider God's Word further, let me uh, pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your Word, and we pray that you would bless us through it this morning as we reflect on it together. Uh, Please, we pray, um, help us to, as a result, uh, live more effectively as people, your people with vision, uh, such that we live every day of our lives serving Captain Jesus, we pray. Amen. The Christian organization Open Doors ranks Iran as the ninth most dangerous country in the world for being a Christian. And yet, the church in Iran is growing at one of the fastest rates of any country in the world. In 1979, it was estimated that there were just 500 Christians in Iran, and now estimates vary from between 100,000 to even a million. Operation World puts the growth rate at over 19% per annum in Iran. God is at work in the world. He's at work in the world, building His church, and often in the most unlikely places, and that is encouraging news. As Jesus promised, he's building his church and the gates of hell are not prevailing against it. Now, at the moment, we don't see much rapid dynamic growth of the church here in Australia as is occurring in Iran. Uh, Could we not do with some encouragement in our endeavors to share the good news of Jesus with others? Now, in this passage today, we see, see two pivotal biblical truths, and these two truths guided and motivated one of the church's greatest missionaries, the Apostle Paul, and they undoubtedly spurred him on in his mission to share Jesus so that he didn't become despondent and he didn't give up, and if we trust in Christ, we also need to keep these two truths in mind if we are to maintain our motivation in mission in sharing Jesus with others. So um, let's just pick up on Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, we're now in Acts 18, and it's at this point that the missionary journey comes to an end. Uh, we've seen a map of his uh, journeys in previous weeks, of course. He went up through Asia and then into Macedonia, modern-day Europe, and has been working his way down uh, into the, what is modern-day Greece. And today, particularly, we see him coming to Corinth, uh, before then setting off for Ephesus, Uh, staying there briefly but then returning back all the way to Syrian Antioch which was uh, of course his sending church and then he reports back to Syrian Antioch all the Lord had been doing so Paul goes on this amazing missionary journey Uh, and in his wake he leaves a string of Christian communities uh, scattered throughout the major cities of that region Uh, Paul He's an amazing man, wasn't he? Uh, He's not only a great leader and founding father of the early church, but he was also a practical example of a life lived and led for Christ. Uh, Some aspects of his ministry, of course, were unique to him as an apostle and as an itinerant evangelist. And yes, uh, the culture and time in which he lived were vastly different to ours, but the theological principles that guided him are the same for us today. And Paul, he took seriously his Christian convictions concerning Jesus' great commission to take the gospel to all the peoples of all nations. Paul, he lived this wonderful missional life, didn't he? And he can be a great encouragement to us to allow the gospel to similarly shape our lives, for us to be missional. So the question is this. What galvanizes Paul to take the sharing of the gospel so seriously? And in his ministry in Corinth, we get a glimpse, a snapshot of what it was. Indeed, we get a snapshot of two great biblical truths which guided and motivated him in his mission. We're going to look at each of those in turn. Firstly, Paul understood that he had a responsibility to share the good news of Jesus with others. Uh, Moreover, he saw himself ultimately as accountable to God for doing so. Uh, We get a glimpse of this in his response to the Jews at Corinth who rejected his message. Look again at verse 6. When the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. Now, to fully understand what Paul means we need to look back to the prophetic Old Testament book of Ezekiel because the words Paul uses are echoes of chapter 33 of Ezekiel. Uh, In that chapter, chapter 33 of Ezekiel, God is commissioning the prophet Ezekiel to be a watchman for the people of Israel. As a watchman, his job is to warn the people of their impending danger. A bit of background, uh, in Old Testament times, The cities had high protective walls around them. Uh, The people would go out of a city to tend their flocks and crops in the surrounding fields. But the job of a watchman was to act as a lookout. Uh, He would position himself at a high point on the wall. And if he saw a hostile army approaching in the distance, he would sound the alarm and all the people, they'd run back into the city. Uh, The gates would be closed and they would be safe from the danger that was coming. And this is the job that God has given Ezekiel, his prophet. God appoints him a watchman for his people. God says to Ezekiel that it's his responsibility to warn the people that he, God, is coming to destroy them in judgment. Now, if they don't bother and they don't believe Ezekiel or heed his warning, then God won't hold Ezekiel accountable for their blood. It will not be his fault because they wouldn't listen to him. But if Ezekiel doesn't pass on God's warning of judgment, the people will still be punished for their sins, but God will also hold Ezekiel accountable for their blood. Now he'll be saved, but he will still be guilty of their de- deaths. That's incredibly strong language. Now let's look again at Ezekiel 33, verse 7 onwards. God says this to Ezekiel. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not do so, he will die for his sin, but you will have saved yourself. Come back to Paul. Do you see what Paul is saying? Paul sees the same principle applying to himself. That God has entrusted him with the gospel. And he has a responsibility to declare it to others. However, he is not responsible for their response your blood be on your own heads, he says. I am clear of my responsibility. Now this principle carries through to Christians of all eras. Uh, Christians, as Christians, we are responsible to share the good news of Jesus. But we're not responsible for people's response. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 is a sobering verse. It's written to Christians, and yet it talks about Christians standing before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, the question is, how do we reconcile this with uh, the Bible's clear teaching that there is no, now no final condemnation for Christians at the, at the judgment of God? Of course, the answer lies in the nature of the judgment delivered on that final day. Uh, for Christians, when we stand before Christ... It will not be a judgment concerning our eternal destiny of heaven or hell. Uh, That, of course, is decided the moment we trust in Christ. But on that day, when we stand before Christ, there will be a judgment passed out on us. And it will be of this, a judgment on the degree of faithfulness and service of our lives as Christians. So it will not be a judgment of eternal life or eternal death, but rather of reward or rebuke of commendation or castigation. And our faithfulness in sharing the gospel with people and trying to persuade them of their need to trust in Christ will form part of that assessment. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 and 11. Written to Christians, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. Can you imagine those words of Jesus ringing out on that final day? Well done, good and faithful servant. Does the prospect of Jesus' glowing commendation motivate you for mission now? It certainly did for Paul. Uh, He, of course, frequently speaks of his life as a race in which he's running for the prize. And the prize is the commendation of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. It motivated Paul, and I know that it also motivates many of you here today. I know and I've heard of great stories of the way that mission is in your hearts and you live it out in your everyday lives. And it's reflected in how you use your time and your resources to facilitate outreach and mission, both locally and in the world. Uh, for, other, others, uh, for others of us, maybe it's a timely encouragement to revitalize our heart for mission. Maybe for some of us, mission has slipped off the agenda, and maybe for some of us, our hearts have grown a little cool towards mission. There's an encouragement to move it back to the center of our agenda and our hearts. Since we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade people, we move mission back on our agenda. So that's the first principle we see at work here. And it guided Paul in his missional life. But we also see another principle at work in Paul's ministry at Corinth. And this holds, if you like, the first truth in check so that we don't fall off one side of the horse. It's not just that we have a responsibility to share the good news of Jesus. God also has a responsibility to draw to himself those he chooses. Uh, It seems like Paul actually needs a reminding of this. Uh, From what we see in Acts chapter 18, the indications are that Paul was discouraged in his ministry in Corinth. Uh, It seems he was fearful and tempted to give up telling people about Jesus. And in response to this, God appears to him in a vision. And God gives him, and us today, the encouragement needed to keep going in mission. Acts 18, verse 9. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because... I have many people in this city. I have many people in this city. Uh, Paul's response shows that he got the point. So, verse 11. Uh, so, Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. God says to him, I have many people in this city. Keep going. Don't give up. Don't take your foot off the pedal continue sharing the good news of Jesus wherever you go. Why? Because there are many people who, although not yet Christians, the Lord has chosen and he will draw them to himself in his time. Remember the words of Jesus uh, during his ministry on earth? John 6 verse 44. He says, No one can come to me Unless the Father who sent me draws him. There it is, the work of the Father, to draw people to faith in Christ. Uh, fast forward to later to Paul when he writes to the Christians at Ephesus, Ephesians, 4, 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Paul says this, speaking of God the Father For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy. And blameless in His sight. There it is again. God's choosing of those who are His. God made the choice before He even made the world. He knows those who are His. It's interesting, though, as to how that truth impacted Paul. Uh, did he just sit back with a P. Nicolada and uh, say, "Oh well, God's chosen those who are His. I can leave it all down to Him"? Absolutely not. He is motivated to keep holding out the good news of Jesus. It encourages him to keep on to do his part in that work of God. Now, bringing it to us today, imagine the impact it would have on you if God appeared to you in a vision and said, Keep sharing the good news of Jesus with the people. For I have many people in Cherry Book, in Acacia Gardens. In Kellyville, in Pellant Hills. How would you feel if God gave you that vision? Wouldn't that be a galvanizing encouragement? Uh, Wouldn't it give you a renewed sense of expectation? What is God going to do through me? He has chosen people in my neighborhood who, in his time, he's going to draw to Christ, and he wants to use me in that endeavor. Because that is the reality we see here. In the areas in which we live, God has chosen people. They are not Christians yet. They don't yet know that God has chosen them. And we don't know who they are. But God will draw them to himself in his time. And he wants to use us as part of that process. Do you see how that takes the pressure off us in mission Uh, We fulfill our part, Uh, we do what we can do, Uh, we hold out the gospel, the good news of Jesus to people, Uh, we do what we can to persuade people of the truth, but we aren't responsible for people's responses. But God will ensure that those in whom he has chosen will respond in his time, and that takes the pressure off us and it makes mission an adventure. I wonder how God will use me to fulfill his good purposes. What will my part be in his plan? Isn't that exciting? And indeed, when we look at Corinth and we see what happened, we see these two truths outworking there. Uh, Some people do respond to the gospel, whilst others don't. Look again at verse 6. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive... He shook out his clothes in process and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I'm clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and he went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized there we have it, working out in a real-life situation. Those whom God had chosen, responding with belief. So, God is working His purposes out in the world. God is drawing to Himself a people for Himself. God is saving people from a lost eternity. And He uses us, if we trust in Christ, in that process. And therefore, May we each be encouraged in the adventure of mission to which God has called us. May we each have a sense of excitement. How will God use me to draw those he has chosen to wonderful faith in Christ? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for these two incredible truths which we see in this passage of Scripture today. And may they filter down to our hearts and our lives more deeply, and may it encourage us to continue to keep mission on the agenda, remembering our responsibility uh, to hold out the good news of Jesus to others, but also remembering your part in that, your sovereign will being outworked in people's lives, your sovereign choice coming to fruition in your time. And therefore, may we have a greater sense of excitement and anticipation at the adventure of mission to which you call us. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.